everyone. This is episode 42, Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Jess Robinson. And we are continuing on in the daily reading. We are in the book of Exodus. And today we're looking in Exodus at um, going through the rest of 32, and we're going to go, or not 32, but 30. And going through 31 and we're going to go ahead and go through all the 32 even though the reading said to end at verse 30 there's not very much afterwards and so we're looking at that and the first thing we notice and we're still kind of talking about you know as the Lord is setting up instructions for this tent which is the tabernacle and and what the priests are to do, he continues on and he gives instructions for this anointing oil. And um, what it is, it, this anointing oil, you know, he gives the ingredients for it. And, you know, it was used to anoint the Ten of Meeting, the Ark of the Testimony, the table, and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the basin with its stands. And they could not use it on, you know, their body. They couldn't use it on animals, or they weren't to, you know, make a perfume of it. It was to, it was sacred. And so there was that. And then they talk about the incense and what it was and what this incense was going to be. And, you know, just the different spices and, and all of that. And, you know, as we've talked about, you know, incense is like represents worship and prayer. And so this was just going back and, and giving more instruction about, you know, the incense. And then moving into chapter 31, he talks about two men, the Lord does, and he talks about a man named Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of her of the tribe of Judah, and that he's filled him with the spirit of God, with skill and ability and knowledge and all kinds of crafts. And he has designated this man to to create, to do all the craftsmanship that needs to be done. And then he also has Aholiab, son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan, to help him. And so, you know, what he's meaning by being filled with the Spirit of God, you know, it was meaning um, spiritual equipping and enabling for special service to God and to teach us, uh, others also. And, you know, as new believers, it's appropriate to pray that the Spirit will give us both physical skills and spiritual gifts to fulfill God's will for our lives, which there are spiritual gifts, you know, though that's the spiritual gifts, you know, there's the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we will talk about in a different day, but those were, are to glorify God and edify the body of Christ. And, you know, those, you know, it's for believers who, you know, are filled with the Holy Spirit and 
you know, it being used by God, you know, being an open vessel for God. And it's not our own gifts and talents. They're, they're only enabled through the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, the physical gifts that we think about, you know, those are like our talents and stuff that, you know, if you're artistic or, you know, you have craftsman skill and craftsmanship skills and, um, even mechanicing skills, different things like that. And, you know, I just, you know, me and my husband, you know, and everything that we do, we want to do it unto the Lord. And so, you know, we try to use the platform that God gives us, you know, whatever our job is to, to glorify the Lord. And, you know, I, I, you know, pilots can be used for the Lord, you know, mechanics, farmers, different people, you know, doctors, dentists, you know, so many people and, you know, even, you know, people in government, you know, senators and, and representatives, even presidents can be used by God. And so, you know, that's something as believers that we need to to focus on is allowing God to use our our area sphere of influence for his glory and then being open for the Holy Spirit to take over us and letting us you know using us in, in spiritual giftings and it's just being open you know you don't you have an open desire for it and allow the Holy Spirit to to take over and it'll happen you know and so and then he he reemphasizes over and over again about the sabbath which is important a sabbath day of rest is very important to a believer and and you know physically and spiritually and so you know i continue to emphasize that 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 we need to be focusing on that and then we move on into chapter 32 and we see that you know with the law we couldn't do it on our own we have to do it with god and you know we couldn't we wouldn't be able to do the law and that's why jesus had to come was because there was no way that we could complete the law and we see this with the israelites they didn't have faith their faith was weak and they easily when Moses was so, you know, gone for so long, you know, think about it, it was 40 days and 40 nights. So he was gone for over a month, just a little over a month. And the people probably thought he was dead and their faith began to weaken and they were drawn to going back and worshiping gods. And so they break the commandment, they break the law and and then Aaron, who is, you know, supposed to be this priest, easily gives in to peer pressure. And I don't know if it's just because he maybe thought that his brother was dead. I don't know. But he gave in to peer pressure. And it's something that we always talk about in little kids church about, you know, Aaron gives in to peer pressure. And I think you know, in our lives, we've given in to peer pressure unless, you know, and I know that there are some, some of the faith who, 
you know, grew up sticking to their faith and, and following the Lord. And they have this wonderful testimony that they never gave in to peer pressure. But there's a lot of times, there's been a lot of us that give in to peer pressure. And we can relate to Aaron that it happens. But, you know, so he gives in and they break this commandment not to make an idol. And they make this calf idol. And the Lord is very angry. And he calls them stiff-necked people. And that he was about ready to destroy them. And he was going to make Moses into a great nation. Because he, you know, yes, Moses wasn't the culprit. He was up there with God. He was, you know, worshiping the Lord. And, but here's the thing about it. And, you know, Moses could have, he could have stand behind and said, okay, you know, but he doesn't, he stepped in and he intercedes for these people and and how he intercedes, it reveals that God answers the prayers of his faithful servants and allows them to share in his redemptive purposes and decisions. You know, we had seen that he, he clearly desired to destroy this rebellious people. Yet Moses, he acts as a mediator between the Lord and the people. And he, and he intercedes to turn away God's wrath and change his stated intention. And... And because of that, we see the Lord relents. There is some justice done. Um, you know, here we see that God makes his servants co-workers with him. And that's the same way with us. We are appointed as mediators and as intercessors for the lost. And in some measure, the fate of the perishing is in, in our hands. You know, we are called to go make disciples of the nations. We are called to be witnesses for Jesus. And so there are people that we will come across that are lost and their fate is in our hands because we're asked to witness. And it's hard because to witness, you know, you have to step out of this comfort zone because we tend to think that people are going to immediately, immediately reject a stranger. And it takes, you know, letting the Lord guide and direct you and put you in a divine, you know, appointment to share your faith. And he does that. And I think, you know, and I hear it over and over again, it gets easier once you start sharing your faith and it's getting easier for me. Because I got bold enough and just wrote about it so that people, they see my heart where it's at. And it's actually opening up doors for conversations when I'm around the town. Because people know where I stand at this point. And I think, you know, and I do pray for people that they will be saved. And, you know... When you start planting the seeds, even if the person doesn't accept Jesus right away, but you're planting the seeds, you're praying with them, you're being open with them, it actually opens up that door for them to, you know, become a believer, you know. And there's, you know, somebody I watch on my Facebook and 
since leaving Laramie, this person that I, I dealt with that didn't want to have anything to do with religion, I've seen this person. The seeds are starting to blossom that were planted there. And, you know, it's like I know that my time in Laramie was not wasted. That last year in Laramie was not wasted. It was, there was seeds planted with that person. And so we just have to continue inter interceding, you know, even interceding for the prodigal child, you know, we'll see that in the parable and it's, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, give up on that, that child because God doesn't get, never gave up on us before we were believers. He never gave up on us. He kept pursuing us. And so, you know, we see this with Moses that he was there. Now, the only time God's going to reject intercession is when sin has reached its limit. And, you know, people go, well, when is that? And I think it's just to the point when the person is totally hard in their heart and they're, they're living in apostasy or they're just totally hardened towards it. I think that's when the Lord starts backing off because that person is not listening. And I, th I think that's when he leaves them to their own devices at that point. But I think, you know, we should still continue to pray and, and all of that, because you never know, there's always hope. And we see that he relents and And we do see that Moses, because he's so angry, he even after interceding, he goes down there and he breaks the tablets and, and righteous indignation against sin. And, and we see that later on with Christ, that he manifested godly anger against sin. And it's... And so there is a thing called righteous anger, you know, and we, you know, it's, it wells up, especially when you see injustice really happening to people that isn't right, you know, you know, it isn't right. And that the Lord, you know, would break his heart. And when you have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with him, you're going you're going to know, like, as you get to know him, you're going to know what breaks his heart. And it's going to be like, you'll start feeling that anger, anger when that happens. And so he ends up, and there is a price that happens for their sin, for what they did, the Israelites. And first, you know, it comes in, in the fact that some, some men and women are, are killed and it's the Levites who stand up and see the Levites had a curse upon them because of their, you know, their ancestor Levi, you know, and Simeon going and killing, you know, these, the men of Shechem for 
for what happened to Dinah in the book of Genesis. But this changes on this day because they stand up for what is right and and follow the Lord. And so the curse is broken, like, because they take a stand for the Lord. And, and they become blessed because of that. And, um, then, you know, Moses, he says, you know, I'm, I'm going, you know, back. You know, he's like, I'm going to go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And he goes back up and he's like, please forgive them. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. So even though they had sinned, Moses was willing to be, to be, you know, blotted out for them. But the Lord, you know, tells him, whoever sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. He doesn't blame Moses. And that he tells him to go and that his angel is going to go before him and that they will, you know, he'll punish them for their sin. And then they're struck with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. And so we see that there's this great, sin that happens and it's we're going to see this continual heartache of the Lord because of what happens and we're going to see this relationship between Moses and the Lord that's really neat in in the next reading and so that's pretty much it for Exodus so going into Psalms This one is called, you know, the one we're going over today is Psalm 23. And it's a well, a well-known psalm. And it's from David. And David was a shepherd. And see, back in the day, the shepherd, it was more, it wasn't the most desired position. But we see that him being a shepherd, like he... I think it drew him closer to God. And there's actually, based on the psalm, I want to refer you to a book. And it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And it's W. Philip Keller. And it's, I read this book this summer. It's not a very big book because it goes over the verses. It's not a very big book. But it's a very well-written book. It is the author was an actual shepherd in in the Middle East and back overseas and he was a shepherd and he shares his perspective of Psalm 23 based on his years taking care of sheep and really we are are similar to sheep because sheep cannot bear burdens Sheep are easily led astray. Um, you know, they're they're prone to sickness and all of that. And 
they can be stubborn as well, you know, and, and all of that. And so this is a really well, I love this Psalm. And after you read this book, you cannot look at Psalm 23 the same ever again. And, you know, we, it starts off, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be a want. I mean, David starts off saying that the Lord is his shepherd. I shall not be a want, you know, because of the Lord being our shepherd, you know, we get to this place of not wanting, not wanting what's, you know, not seeing anything you know, as, you know, that the pasture's greener on the other side. We don't want, we don't want or desire anything else but the Lord. And then he, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And so, you know, when you think about that, it's, you know, and he's coming from the perspective of a sheep and that, sheep in order for them to be content they and lie down they have to have water they have to have food and you have to get rid of any nuisance and so in order for them to lie down and be still and it's actually the same thing with us that we're we can't be still before the lord Unless, you know, we have, you know, provision for, you know, food and, and, and all of that and, um, and get rid of the nuisance, you know, and also, you know, that, um, because when you think about sheep, when you get together with sheep as well, they have this like system and it's like any other animals, they have like a hierarchy system. And when you get, when they get too restless because of the hierarchy system, they will not lay down. And we can get that way too. Like we get so busy with what other people are doing or um, just feeling like we have to compete. It's like we don't have to compete. We have the affection of our Lord. And so, you know, we can, because of his presence, you know, the Lord's presence, we don't want, you know, he gets rid of nuisances. He, he provides for us and we can lie down in green pastures, you know, and think about quiet waters, you know, when it's quiet, you know, it's, if you've been by a stream or even a lake, it's very quiet sometimes and it's very peaceful. And then it says, He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, our soul is restored when we're in the presence of the Lord. And also, you know, we're guided in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. When we're seeking the Lord and having a relationship with him, he guides us in paths of righteousness, not because of the, you know, he doesn't guide us because, 
you know, he has to or whatever. It's it's for his name's sake, not our own sake, his name's sake. And then it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, or staff they comfort me. In the book that I, I mentioned, it's really interesting because he talks about the valley in the hills. And he talks about when they're transporting sheep and all of that from one spot to the next, you know, from one area to the next. And, and it could be death because of, you know, there's the cold, there's the, you know, there's a chance, you know, when you're going from the mountains, you know, you, you come across the, you know, predators, you come across a change in weather that could actually kill the sheep. And so, and we go through this life. And there's evil around us, but we do not have to fear the evil because God is with us. And it talks about your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And they're totally two separate things. People think they're the same thing. There was the rod and the staff are different. It's one, and I I can't remember from the book, but... One, you know, was more like for, for guiding and directing. And then there was staff that, you know, and, and rod for discipline. And then there's the staff and the staff, you know, got, you know, the staff, um, So the rod, you know, and, and we see it in with shepherds, it's like a, a very short club and it was a weapon of defense or discipline and it symbolized God's strength, power and authority. Then you have a staff, which was a long slender stick with a hook on the end. And that was used to draw a sheep close to the shepherd to guide it in the right way or rescue it from trouble. And those two things reassure us of God's love and guidance in our lives. And think about it. God draws us near to him. He wants to draw us near to him. You know, as we're drawing near to him, we're drawing near into safety. And it reassures of his love. And it also guides us. And so, and then this is a really in, I like this verse and because I've really lived this verse the last few days and it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows so think about this and it, you know I've never really thought about it but the Lord prepares a table in the presence of our enemies in front of Satan you know, in front of the people who want to persecute us, you know, or 
you know, no matter what you're going through, when Satan's like attacking you as a believer, you have this table and you're sitting before your enemies and, and the Lord's anointing our head with oil and our cup overflows and that, you know, we're not to let the enemy at our table. You know, he has no right there. This is our table with the Lord. And we get to feast before the Lord or feast before our enemies. And they don't like it. The enemy is not going to like it. And so that's just something you should think about and go to like when you're struggling going, okay, there's a table and God provides and we just have to sit and feast. And so, and then in this, it ends with surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we're going to, even when there's still trouble around, you know, we still have this shepherd. We'll always be in the house of the Lord. Even when we die, those of us who are believers, we have that assurance that we're going to be in the house of the Lord forever. And that we're going to receive constant grace, help, kindness, and support. You know, no matter what's happening, we can trust that the Lord, who's the good shepherd, is to work all things for our good. And you know, for us following Jesus, who's our shepherd, and experiencing his good and love is that one day we are going to be with him forever, see his face, and serve him forever in his house. And so, I mean, that's such hope that we have that even though we go through this pilgrimage here, it's this isn't our forever home. We have a home that we will get to dwell in afterwards and so this is a really good psalm and i still recommend looking at a shepherd looks at psalm 23 by w philip keller and generally that's a really quick read so i would recommend it so in the book of matthew we're going to go over chapter 25 and that is it's continuing the olivet discourse and And what it is, is it's continuing on talking about the end times. And he deals with two parables. And the first is the parable of ten virgins. And there's this sense of readiness that spiritual believers must have. You know, and, you know, we see the ten virgins that they... And when you think about in that time when you have to look with this parable at, at the history and the time and what was happening, what happened in marriages then was especially, he, you know, Jewish Hebrew weddings in that time and decade, the bride groom, like the, the, the bride would not know when the bridegroom was coming. Um, generally they had this contract out there was a um, betrothal or an engagement. And essentially in that time, as I've stated before, 
it was essentially like being married but they hadn't consummated the marriage and a lot of times the bridegroom would go and prepare a place for him and his bride and the bride would not know when the bridegroom was coming and so she had to be prepared for when the bridegroom would come to take her and 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 all of that and so in essence it's the same way spiritually we're waiting for Jesus who and we have this you know sense of of waiting and expectancy which means we have to you know just like a virgin why you know bride she keeps her purity in place and make sure that she's prepared for her bridegroom and that's the same for with us we have to continually keep our spiritual condition in check but also you know having an expectancy to share the gospel and not letting our lives be wasted and you know we see that in in the parable of talents you know our it's a warning you know about our service and our faithfulness in our lives and service you know our our salvation is not based on works you know our works is based on the faith that we have in Jesus you know and you know the talent you know represents our you know time resources and opportunities to serve God while on earth and so we can't let that go to waste and so we see that in the talents in the parable of the talents and that we're not to throw those away and then finally there's you know the the sheep and the goats and from my understanding this is occurring after the tribulation and Christ's return to the earth but before the beginning of his earthly reign and what it is is you know, it's talking about separating sheep and goats, you know, those, you know, and he lists in here about, you know, the sheep that are taken. He says, you know, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And what it is is it looks about look, you know, Jesus is going to look at our lives, you know, and see how we lived our lives were we compassionate enough were and and, I'm, and once again I'm saying again that our our salvation is not based on works our works is based on our faith and you see this with the righteous's answer those who are righteous they're like when did we see you hungry when and you know because it's so natural to them to, and I think it's because, you know, and we think about it when it's so 
natural for us to have compassion towards people, to to give freely and be kind. It's so natural that when we do it, you know, we're not there for the glory and it's just so natural. It happens. And so the day's going to come when, you know, especially those who just do it out of the natural sense of, of blessing people, you know, we're going to sit there going, wait, what a minute? I was just doing this. (laughs) And, and I think that's how as believers we should be with our lives is, looking for the opportunities to bless others and letting it just become natural, you know, and there are people like that. It just, I see it. It comes naturally to them. There's no question asked. There is no sitting there debating about it. It just happens and you just see it. And, you know, they're going to be those that do that. And so, I think that's just something we need to to focus on is as believers, you know, because we're also asked to be the light of Christ. And what would Christ do? You know, he would feed the hungry. You know, he would give someone to drink. You know, he would invite a stranger in. He would clothe those who need clothing. He would, we would look after the sick. He would look after the sick. He would go to the person in prison and visit them. And... I think that's just something that we need to look at and pray about, you know, for the Lord to open up those opportunities in our lives to do stuff like that and have a heart of compassion like that. And so that's pretty much it for today's episode. Um, For the next episode, we're going to go into Exodus and, and read chapter 32 verse 31 even though we discussed the rest of 32 and then we're going to go through chapter 34 verse 35 and then we're going to read psalm 24 verses 1 through 10 and proverbs 4 verses 14 through 15 and then we're going to talk about matthew 26 verses 1 through 20 and so that is it for today I'm going to end in a prayer and then I will sign off Lord Jesus I just thank you for this day I just praise you for all that you're doing in our lives Lord and that Lord we just give you the glory and the honor for all that you're doing Lord today we just pray God that You would just begin to work in our hearts. We just pray that your word would just give revelation to us, Lord. And I pray that we would walk with an expectancy, Lord, allowing you and your Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives. I pray, Lord, that you just begin to open up opportunities to to use us for your glory and your kingdom, Lord God, and to help those who are in need, Lord God. I just pray that you begin to open our eyes to to the needs, and to those who are struggling, Lord God. Just open our eyes, Lord God, to that. And we just thank you, God, for for your love, your forgiveness, and that, Lord, I just pray. We praise you and give you the glory in all that you do. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Thank you.